Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about what's happening in our country trying to start a war with Syria, and we're fortunately seeing a lot of opposition. So this is a kind of a fluid situation. Russia today has proposed that the UN intercede and gather up the chemical weapons stashes supposedly throughout Syria, and this would, for the short while, put the United States war efforts headed by President Obama and the likes of Republican Senator John McCain and Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein. But we're seeing a lot of opposition on the other side. So what we're asking today, and I think we need eternal vigilance, is to write a letter to your congressman. Call him, your congressman, your senator, and here's a little report written by Chuck. Leslie, why don't you read it for us, please? Military action in Syria, the Congress and you. Posted by Charles G. Carlson, September 5, 2013. Would Jesus bomb Syria? How about our Congress? Chuck Carlson opines, This may be the first time we in the pro-peace for life movement have had a chance to defeat a contrived war effort in the House, if not the Senate. The arguments we hear are sterilized of life. Not a word is said about how many humans our bomb and missile blitz will kill the president's, quote, limited attack. We are never supposed to see the 20-year-old boys in the Syrian army as humans, but are they not like our own military? They need to eat and do not have another job offer? And how about the thousands of bystanders who will be in the wrong place at the wrong time? No one talks about any of these casualties. We only hear gross exaggerations of some 350 or perhaps 500 who were killed by gas. Killed by whom? We can only guess which side did it or what faction. We are given no facts, only opinions. I hear two sides of Bashar al-Assad. When I asked a longtime friend, Karim Shabazz, who lived for 15 years in Syria and who just reluctantly returned, bringing his family of four with him, what he thinks about Syria. Karim is an American by birth who taught English in Syria at the American Language Center under the auspices of the United States Embassy. He was also the founder and manager of the English department of the New Horizons franchise, which goes to show how important English is in Syria. While at New Horizons, he developed a business English program for businessmen and government officials who wanted to do business in English. Karim told me, He once taught Bashar al-Assad's protocol staff, as well as Vice President Farouk al-Shiraz's nephew. 
He speaks plainly about the situation there. He considers the Assad family dictators who are all about power. They, quote, believe that Syria is their own private family business with private secret police forces known as Shabiha that have taken life with no questions asked. In Damascus alone, they have over 80,000 FBI-like data-gathering agencies called Makhabarat that spy on everyone. Family members cannot trust each other. They have been turned against one another, unquote. However, Mr. Shabazz also says as those trying to unseat the Assad dynasty are also power-hungry, and he has no doubt they would set up their own dictatorship if they win with U.S. help. I quote Mr. Shabazz, quote, Why doesn't America know this and mind their own business? Don't we have enough expensive problems? Are we going over there with drones and mistakenly increase the collateral damage that may be killing as many or more women and children than Bashar al-Assad has done? Unquote. Karim tells me his native Syrian wife would welcome the American intervention, as would many natives, tired of the Assad dynasty. But he also believes she does not understand what civil war would do to Syria and what it has done elsewhere in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and now Egypt. He predicts that, quote, there will continue to be unrest and the killing of innocents for many years to come, no matter if the government or the Freedom Army wins, unquote. You can read Karim's full story, but first, please write a letter to at least one congressman asking for peace for a change. I do not often ask you to contact our near lost cause Congress, but maybe this time it's worth it. All right, thank you. And I was moved to to do something. I actually called my local congressman's office here, spoke to him, he indicated to me, the person I spoke to, that the congressman had not made a decision on it. I expressed my unfavor of doing a war action against Syria, and then I followed it up with a, an email, and it's relatively easy to do. And then I also did that with our two senators, one of whom, of course, is John McCain, who is a big supporter for action in Syria. But here's what I said, Congressman David Schweikert, are you willing to stand up to your fellow leader, Republican John Boehner and Democrat Nancy Pelosi, who have come out in favor of supporting President Obama's call for an attack against Syria? It's time that the U.S. stops meddling in the affairs of other countries. We don't want another Iraq war in which we were lied to about WMDs that weren't there to justify a war that has created untold suffering for the people of Iraq. Besides, we can't afford to support the American empire around the world anymore. Perhaps you recall what happened to the Roman Empire. We are on the same course. Garrett Garrett, a former editor of the Saturday Evening Post and an ardent foe of big government, wrote a short treatise in 1952 entitled, rise of empire. 
that asks the question of when did the U.S. become an empire and how does it compare to the Roman Empire. It was obvious to him in 1952, but very few Americans want to believe that we are an empire today. Please have one of your aides read Garrett's piece, and then I give the link to that. A vote for military actions against Syria is a vote for continued empire building. Your vote will tell us where you stand. And anyway, you can word whatever you want, but there is a lot of bipartisan objection to going to war. So maybe the people in the United States are waking up. Any other comments? Well, I have something to add, of course. This is one of the most quickly outdated pieces of work we've ever done. And uh, to our amazement, it actually worked uh, because lots of other people thought the same, same thing we did. What I would really say in postscript is that this issue has, has shown the USA's desperate quest for a new war at any cost. And it, we go back to what we stated in our uh, basic film, Tragedy and Turning, and of course we've all been waiting for the turning, but the uh, tragedy, of course, was world Zionism. And in it, we started the uh, story by saying America is a war-based economy. I have not heard in any of the efforts that have gone on anybody point this out, even though we see this desperate effort to somehow make a war that they now find out that nobody wants, and where John Kerry is now saying that this will be an unbelievably limited attack that we're going to make. They want to make attack even though it's unbelievably limited, whatever that means. What this is really all about is that the U.S. economy needs another war to keep it going. And the stock market, of course, rallied on the, on the peace news. But this is, unfortunately, something that our war-torn and war-hooked economy cannot get along without. It's much like Lance Armstrong's doping that he had to have to win every race. The U.S. is pressing for a war on economic terms, and uh, destabilization and continued aggression against the Middle Eastern countries is, is essentially what it's all about. And uh, Syria, of course, is just supposed to be another quick domino in the crash of uh, the Middle Eastern countries. It's not going to happen. And so what now, I think this is our great opportunity to press on with the churches. And I would add that it seems that 60 or 70 percent of the American people are against bombing Syria. This is really not a church issue. Probably the Christian Zionist movement is not among the 60 or 70 percent that's, uh, that's opposed to it. But there is evidence that some of the Christian Zionists have actually come out and broken step with their past history and actually said that they are opposed to this latest escapade in the Middle East. Well, Chuck, I think the problem, of course, is that churches have turned their backs on this. This is a moral issue. And in our Sunday school class, I got up and asked people to be examples of peacemakers and to contact their representatives and senators him to pose any actions against Syria. And when I sat down, the lady in front of me turned around and said, 
wow, I wish the pastor had had said that, but nary a peep out of the pulpit. And, of course, that's duplicated probably from one end of the country to the other with the rare exceptions. It certainly would not be happening in what we call the Christian Zionist churches. Yeah, this is spontaneous. It has not been America's church leaders who have caused Americans to actually rise up and challenge the Congress. Well, that's right. It is. It's a grassroots efforts in spite of the churches have been basically mute on, with, of course, the exception of some of the liberal, peace-loving type churches that would be looked down upon as not being real Christians by many of the evangelical Christian Zionist type of Christians. So it is easy for them to see that this is a moral issue and that we need to oppose these kinds of actions, particularly when we're not, we're not threatened by Syria in a way. They're not going to be coming to the United States. It's really mind-boggling. So maybe this is part of the great turning that people uh, are going to see that the government desperately wants to promote a war, and people are tired of it. We're tired of it. I mean, the economic conditions are not that good, so we have a lot of factors that would get people thinking about because if you can't get something to eat, uh, you're not going to go to war. And I think some of the people are thinking from that standpoint that there's something wrong here, that how can we continue to support these war activities all over the world? I'm sure Craig has something to add, and I haven't heard from Leslie yet. Well, here's, here's Craig. Um, my, my thing is that the... The rebels are the ones who attacked these, these Christian towns, slaughtered the Christians, and if anything, the, the Christians should stand against this war for that account alone, because here we are supporting the rebels that are killing Christians. What's wrong with this picture? Absolutely, and it doesn't, I mentioned that in my little short peel, that Christians were being uh, on both sides. I mean, we've seen bad things from both sides, but you're right, they're just as a recent event, the rebels had rolled through and did a lot of destruction in a little Christian village, predominantly Christian village in, in Syria. So, yeah, where is the outcry for, about our Christian brothers? We don't see that. You would think that the, our pastor would say something about that or, or offer up a prayer to protect these Christians, but no, there's really... Nary a, uh, nary a prayer because it might offend somebody. I think uh, that well, one, well uh, probably might offend Israel. Well, yeah. <laughs> and Israel is, true, is the historic enemy of of Syria, and we can't forget that. That's uh, the reason the gun is pointed at Syria's head. Syria is a choice because it's one of the block of enemies of Israel. Uh, didn't, in the 1967 war, didn't Israel attack Syria and capture the Gulan Heights, which is that a was major in part of the water Yeah, It was in 1973, 1973. Stand corrected. Okay. They took over the Gulan Heights. And the interesting thing, as we mentioned before, the UN has a peacekeeping operation in the Golan Heights, they've been there since 1974, a thousand men. Actually, some of the, the soldiers, they're from Philippines, Austria, I forget the other countries, but uh, the, there were some captured by the uh, rebels. And so here the UN is basically guarding the border, 
and keeping the Israelis as the quote-unquote real owners of the Golan Heights, which they stole from Syria back in the 1973 war. Interesting. Well, thanks so much for that input, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast, and please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.